Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host. For the next half hour, hopefully we can unscramble our minds together and think seriously about life, death, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other. This is a very unique time in history, as all times are really. And hopefully we can talk about some things that help us sort out what truth is and allows us to align our lives with the truth. I'm coming to you from the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute here in northern Wisconsin. We, of course, encourage you to go to those websites and see if somehow we can minister to you on these grounds. Lately, I've been wondering what people mean by what they say. For example, people tell me they believe in God, but then they're full of anxiety and restlessness and anxiousness. You wonder if you believe in God, why are you so anxious and why are you so upset about life and what could happen and might happen? And You talk about those who say they believe God loves them, but they live as if God doesn't love them, as if he doesn't exist. So do they actually believe that God loves them? Sometimes I think we talk about things very easily, but we don't really back them up with how we live and how we think. If somebody says they believe in God, yet God has no importance to their day-to-day, moment-to-moment life, then I wonder if they do or what they mean by the word God. It's easy to talk. But I tell you, if you're struggling with peace, if you're struggling with your purpose in life, if you're struggling with feeling inadequate in life, then I would wonder if you actually know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and if you actually know who he is in a way that you can trust him, that you have a relationship with him. I was reading Romans 12:9, where it talks about the marks of a true Christian, and it says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The idea of abhor what is evil is what got me. As we as believers talk about right and wrong, do we hate what's wrong? That word abhor is A-B-H-O-R, means to detest utterly. Do we really detest utterly what's wrong, or do we entertain it in our lives? Do we try and enjoy a little bit of wrong? Do we try and be like the world around us and not want to miss out? I can understand about letting love be genuine, but really detesting utterly what is evil? God did detest what was evil because evil has a way of catching on like a fire in a forest. It can start as a little spark, but before you know it, there's a disaster looming because of the fire that's being built. Evil is something that can take over and destroy for generations. Evil will keep people from God, keep people from understanding God's mercy and grace, and send people for eternity to be apart from God, which is not how anyone was created. Evil is something that we need to dislike intensely. 
And if you dislike evil intensely, those people who embrace evil, you really don't want them to be in your inner circle. You don't want them to be the ones that are the influencers in your life. You need to be careful who you allow to be those influencers. I was reading an article, and it was written by Candace Hathaway from Blaze Media, February 14, 2023. I'll just read the article, and afterwards we'll talk about the Bible. It says this, A recent Centers for Disease Control and Prevention survey revealed that anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts increased dramatically among female and LGBTQ plus teens in 2021, the New York Post reported. On Monday, the CDC released its Youth Risk Behavior Survey, which tracks health-related trends among teens and adults, including sexual behavior, substance use, experiences of violence, mental health, and suicidality. The CDC survey indicated that sadness, hopelessness, poor mental health, suicidal thoughts, and attempted suicide among high school students increased in the last decade. I really have to stop there and ask, why is that true? We live in one of the greatest countries that ever existed on the planet. We have all the resources that anybody could ever want. We have Bibles galore. We have churches on many corners. We have all kinds of podcasts, all kinds of, of other recordings that can help us be the best that we can be. Yet we have an increase of young people who think life is worthless. There's some disconnect going on here. Let me go on and continue with the article. The CDC survey indicated that sadness, hopelessness, poor mental health, Suicidal thoughts and attempted suicide among high school students increased in the last decade. The report noted a decrease in risky sexual behavior, substance abuse, and school bullying. Unfortunately, almost all under indicators of health and well-being in this report, including protective sexual behaviors, um, experiences of violence, mental health, and suicidal thoughts and behaviors worsened significantly, the report stated. The CDC found that more female students refused to attend school because of an increased safety concern about sexual violence. In addition, an increased number of male students also refused to attend school, citing experiences of electronic bullying. Now, I've got to stop there again, because as I look at this, I see that there are many female students who are concerned about their safety and the sexual violence in school. We can talk about how terrible this is, but what we really need to do is focus on why they feel this way. This is a generation that has grown up with all kinds of sexual perversions. Things that God has said not to do, they have made acceptable, or my generation has made acceptable, or somebody has. The pornography industry is rampant, and most of the kids that go to school today are exposed to some kind of pornography, and some of them are addicted to it. And their behavior is going to indicate what they've been putting into their minds and their thought process for many years. The CDC found more female students refused to attend school because of an increased safety concern about sexual violence. In addition, an increased number of male students also refused to attend school, citing experiences of electronic bullying. 
Next paragraph. According to the survey, nearly 60% of female students experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness, nearly double the rate of male teens. Approximately 25% of females admitted to creating a suicide plan in 2021. About 25% of our high school females admitted to creating a suicide plan in 2021. Look, our nation is moving away from God. We're moving away from the absolutes. We're moving to a society where each man does what's right in their own eyes. Where love is no longer the indicator. Because what we do instead of loving people is we use them for our own benefit. That's what pornography does, and that's what many businesses will do. That's why people can steal people off the street and put them into the the sex industry because people can use one another and not feel bad about it at all. That's so opposite of what the Bible teaches. 25% of the females, they may not be able to say why, but they have made a plan to not be here in the future because it doesn't look like there's any hope for them. This should be a wake-up call for the church and those who know God to be those who are committed to loving people, not using people, and committed to showing and demonstrating to a lost generation what it looks like to live with purpose and dignity. The article goes on to say, for comparison, in 2011, only 36% of female students reported feeling sadness or hopelessness. It was 36 back in 2011, and 60% now. It is getting worse at a very quick rate. The article goes on to say, close to 70% of LGBTQ plus students experienced persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness during the past year, and more than 50% had poor mental health during the past 30 days. It added almost 25% attempted suicide during the past year. Well, you know, I might suggest that LGBTQ plus students are trying to live a life that they weren't meant to live. They're trying to find purpose and meaning in a life that they can't find purpose and meaning in. God tells us that he created male and female. It tells us that after he looked at the creation, it was good. It was done right. Men are different than women. Women are different than men. We have to know that the way God created things is the right way that things should be for people to get together and to say, we can be anything we want. Males can be females. Females can be males. Moms can be dads. Dads can be moms. All this is is confusing to people, and it makes it so that people cannot live in the context of the very creation. Close to the 70% of the LGBTQ plus students are going to feel, I'm surprised it's not 100%, and maybe they didn't answer correctly. More than 40%, the article goes on to say, of high school students reported feeling of sadness and hopelessness that prevented them from participating in regular activities for at least two weeks during the last year. You know, I can't ever remember having a feeling of sadness and hopelessness that was so strong that I couldn't participate in activities. Well, I've had my times of sadnesses. You know, you might say, well, you've had an easy life. You know, I was cut from a no-cut baseball team. 
I was one who was in a wheelchair for a while, had operations, was the one kid at school in a Chicago public school that everybody made fun of. I understand some of the things that normal students go through and normal people go through. But I never did have a stated period of time where I felt hopeless or meaningless. There was something that my parents did right. Perhaps they lived right. Perhaps they understood where importance came from. And it didn't come from being a great baseball player. And it didn't come from being accepted by everybody at school. It didn't come from not getting bullied. It didn't come from being healthy and being able to be like everybody else or even excelling at sports. The CDC of Adolescent and School Health Director Kathleen Ether, I think her name is, stated that the findings are alarming, and I would agree. Many measures were moving in the wrong direction before the pandemic, she said. These, these data show that the mental health crisis among young people uh, among young people continues. Young people are experiencing a level of distress that calls us to act with urgency and compassion. With the right programs and services in place, schools have a unique ability to help our youth. At least that's what they claim. I would say that they don't have what's necessary to help our youth because they don't have anything that's absolute truth. You can't give somebody hope if you're trying to peddle hopelessness. You can't give somebody meaning if you're trying to peddle meaninglessness. The only way that you can have hope and meaning in, in your life is to align it according to the way that you were actually created. This goes for marriage, which is really created by God to be between one man and one woman. This goes for gender, because God created male and female. He made females different than males and males different than females. And different isn't bad, it's good. He made people different in that he describes us as people, the body, as a body of believers. So we have elbows and knees and toes, and it's all different. One isn't superior to the other. But if we continue to try and accept the idea that each person is right, no matter what they believe, and we try and reinforce with them the idea that they can believe anything they want about themselves, and, and they're right, then they're going to be miserable, and we're going to continue to see statistics like this go in the wrong direction. You see, when God created us, he created us in a very peculiar, very special way. I'm sorry for the illustration I always use, but I'm holding a pen in my hand, and I can tell from looking at this pen that it had a design. So somebody actually designed it. Somebody manufactured it. And it has a purpose. Because of the design and because of the manufacturing, it has a very specific purpose. This is to be used to write on paper. And it does a really good job of that. Now, because it's my pen, I can use it for anything I want to use it for. If I called my pen a car, and I started to tell you that I bought a new car, and I showed you my pen is the car, you would actually look at me and think there's something wrong with my mind. Yet if a child comes to us, and she's a girl, or a child comes and he's a boy, and he says, well, I think I'm a, the opposite, we look at him, we tap on the head, and we say, oh, man, that's wonderful. We'll reinforce that for you. Honestly, if I come to you and call this pen a car, you should not accept that as truth. 
because it isn't. And this pen will do nothing but disappoint me if I expect it to act in accordance with what a car would act like. And likewise, a young lady is a young lady by design. And there's not a way that you can make that young lady into a male or a male into a female. Oh, I know people are saying, well, we can through, you know, surgery and that kind of thing. No, that that isn't really going to work. There's a unique design in each individual that God created. And for us to ignore that will cause trouble. You know, all the way through the Bible, we're told about things that are right and wrong. And we're told about certain things that God hates. And I think there's things that God hates because he loves us. There are things that I hate if they come and they start to destroy the people in my life that I love. You know, you, you, you look at the, the violence that takes place. If somebody wants to come in and, and murder or rape or, or do something that's just unthinkable to those that love you. Yeah, you can hate that. The individual, it's hard to separate, but the individual we'd love to love. But, but the evil is something that destroys life and purpose and meaning. When I read these statistics, I think, I, I don't think this is healthy for anyone in America to go through believing that you can think whatever you want to think about yourself and it has to be true and people need to reinforce it or you'd be miserable. There is a way that God intended life to be. And if we're not going to live that way, then we're going to be the most miserable creatures on the planet. Isaiah 5, 20 to 23 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men at mixing strong drink who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. Woe to those, it says. What that means is there's something that's not right about this that will cause great problems in life. Satan loves causing problems in life. Satan is evil and wants to destroy anything that's right and good and honorable. And so he wants us to call evil good. And that's what's going on in our culture. It isn't right to go to God and say, you made a mistake in making me. Or even to go to God and say, you made a mistake in the institution of marriage and telling a husband and wife that they should be committed to each other for life. That they should be sexually abstinent before marriage and sexually faithful within marriage. You can say whatever you want, but when you live out the ideals that are in God's word, you find out that those are the ideals that give you life and meaning and purpose. To run away from them doesn't work. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. The Ten Commandments were given to us not because we needed a bunch of rules and regulations, but because these are things, I believe, that we would struggle with. 
if I had a child in my home and my child was totally afraid of the stove and never went by the stove, we just told this child once that you could get burnt and that they stay 10 feet from the stove and won't go near it. I really don't need to give them a bunch of regulations for the stove because they're not going to go near it anyway. However, if I have a child who keeps running over to the stove and jumping up on top of it and sitting on it and, and playing with the knobs, then I need to have all kinds of regulations because this child has a propensity towards going towards the stove. So I need to make rules for that child. God is our creator and our sustainer. He knows where you and I would struggle as far as how we would struggle and what we would struggle with. When you read the Ten Commandments, you need to read them in that light where you say, okay, I will struggle with this. And God, you're warning me that this would not be a good thing. I need to stay away from whatever it is. So let me read you the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. You know, this means that I would have a propensity or a tendency towards putting other gods before God. Worshipping maybe things or money or power or other people. That I could very easily struggle with putting another God before God. Little g, of course. The second in verse 4, you shall not make for yourself carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is the earth beneath, or that is the water under the earth. I could have a tendency in life to worship the things that I make, the things of my hands. I could have a tendency to be awed by what I do, what other people do, and forget God. Verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God, I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It's so easy for us to start getting our attention diverted. You know, you might think, well, I don't have my attention diverted. I don't have idols in life. You know, on a human scale, I've seen it where people get into their own lives and ignore the people they love. Perhaps you live in northern Wisconsin and you like fishing. Before you know it, every spare moment you have, you're out fishing and you're ignoring your spouse completely. It's the fishing that will really eventually destroy the relationship because it's taking all your time. It's what you're really putting your effort into. It's what you're really trying to do well at the expense of the relationships in your life. See, we have a tendency to do that. We have a tendency to do that to God. We have a tendency to do that to one another. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
see, were people who could very easily talk about God in a way that's flippant, careless. We shouldn't do that. God is all-powerful. He's almighty. There is only one God. Three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but there's only one. We always approach God with respect. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, your sojourner who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's obviously that you and I could have a tendency to be so busy that we forget God. We forget the relationship that we're supposed to have with God, and that's going to be a dangerous thing to do. Verse 12, honor your father, your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We're going to have a tendency to dishonor our parents, to want to live our own lives, to ignore their needs, to ignore their guidance. Verse 13, you shall not murder. Verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. 15, you shall not steal. You see, we're going to have a tendency to want to murder people. And that happens all the time. You may say, no, I don't murder. I'm not. Well, you can murder people with your words. You can wish that they weren't around. You can do things to destroy other people. You can cheat on your marriage and destroy the one intimate relationship that God wants you to have in life. You shall not steal. You're going to have a tendency to want to have things that you don't work for. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We're going to have a tendency to want to stretch the truth possibly. Verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or donkey or anything of your neighbor's. We're going to have a tendency to look at what other people have rather than what we have and think they're more blessed and want to be like them. Why does God tell us these things? Because if we get involved in all of those things, we're going to be miserable people because we weren't meant to live that way. You and I were meant to live in the context of the truth. The truth is... If I'm a part of the body of Christ, when my knee does well, my elbows and my fingers rejoice. It's not that my elbows and fingers want to be my knee. I can be thankful that God made me the way he did. Just like the pen manufacturer made the pen the way it was designed to be made. And I need to continually learn to use my body and my life in the context of the way it was meant to be. And when I do that... I find that I'm in great purpose in life. I have great meaning. I'm not wanting to destroy my life because I can see what it's doing in this world. I'm able to see that God loves me and has a plan 
and that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what's missing today in our culture. When you get to a society where each person is doing what's right in their own eyes, then anything can be justified. And we know down deep in our hearts that not anything goes. Males are still males. Females are still females. It takes a man and a woman to create a child. And a good marriage are a man and a woman who are committed to each other for life. Those things bring stability and help us see our purpose and our meaning in life. If we're going to keep ignoring those things, then we can watch the t statistics continue to rise of unhappiness, anger, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety. But those who actually know God and walk with Him and love Him, they're going to act like they know Him and walk with Him and love Him. Their purpose is very well defined. Their security is guaranteed. Their significance is something that can never be stolen from them. Once again, I thank you for listening. This is a program we call Nighttime, coming to you from the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. I'm Dave Wager. Good night for now.